Welcome to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you here. There's a big difference this time. It's season two. Yeah, season two is finally here. <laughs> yeah, we took a little break. We're going to sound all rested, right? Because we haven't done this for what feels like an eternity. I miss it, Russ. I miss I know. doing well, this show. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it was such like a thing that we did on a weekly for like so long and then all of a sudden it's gone. It's like it's it was it was very weird, actually. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the holidays. I got to do a lot of family time. So it absolutely was a wonderful period of time for the past uh, you know month or so. But the time that we get to spend together and talk business, help companies, interview guests, I mean, I look forward to it every single week. So yes, there was a void while we were on exactly. break. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it is nice to have it back. I actually filled most of that void with Marvel movies, Greg. I did that for you, actually. One one of the reasons, at least, uh, was was for you. I, <laughs> I know you love Marvel. And I was like, you know, I haven't watched any of these. I've I've kind of avoided them because I didn't know when to start. And I just I just went through so many of them. I'm I'm I forget where I'm I'm at. Oh, I'm at uh, Doctor Strange right now. So I've gone pretty far. That's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And actually, I, during the break, I did a couple of Marvel. I did um, Hawkeye, the series. And oh, okay. I watched the, um, gosh, I watched another one of the kind of more obscure movies. Now I'm drawing a blank of it. Anyway, I, I caught up on then. a little bit of Marvel as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, hey, it can't all be business, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm about to start The Eternals. So I will let you know how that is. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, the other thing that we worked on, of course, while we were away here uh, was the Best Business Network. We're helping to grow that. Uh, we've got plenty of new podcasts on that. And we've got a new website for the Best Business Network, uh, thebestbusinessnetwork.com, coincidentally enough. That makes sense. It does, right? <laughs> Nobody should ever forget that URL, Russ. Exactly. So we've got so many uh, new podcasts for you to check out on the network. So uh, please, do go check those out as well. But we've got a new show for you today, which is awesome. And when we talk about all of these things, like putting together a website or putting together the network or even putting together season two, all of that involves project management. So we figured a great way to start the season is to talk about project management. Absolutely. And we have our guest, of the first guest of the season. Her name is Alexis Nicole White. Alexis is a graduate of Purdue University. She is a certified project manager and a scrum master with over 13 years of experience implementing information technology and telecommunication projects. So welcome, Alexis. Thank you very much for having me. And Alexis, now when we're talking about projects, we're talking about risk, right? Like risk is the big thing to talk about because why get into this project uh, with no risk? With no risk, there's no reward. So <laughs> let's start the conversation here by talking about risk. How do you talk about risk when you're talking to entrepreneurs and you're trying to lead them down this journey of project management? So I would say to a person who wants to grow their business, risks are not always negative mm -hmm. things. We look at risk as being an adverse consequence to something, but you can also exploit a risk, which makes it an opportunity. So I would say to change your framing of how you view that risk to look at it as being an opportunity. Now, if you're saying you would like to grow your business, that's an opportunity. So the, the way that I would look at that is to say, OK, well, what exactly is the risk? 
What's the impact of that risk? And do we want to accept that risk or do we want to exploit that risk? And the difference there is, you know that there is going to be a risk that you can't avoid, right? You just accept it and you plan for worst case scenario. And if that risk materializes, then at that point, you just make your backup plan and have that on handy, right? But then if it's a positive outcome, you want to exploit that to the maximum. So if you're growing your business and you know that, Say, for example, running this marketing campaign, it's going to cost you $10,000. And that's a risk, especially if you don't have that liquid in your business where you can really afford to leverage that. However, that $10,000 may get you a customer that may come and may become a recurring customer, which then can turn into $20,000. That's the risk that you want to exploit. And you just hope that it works out to your advantage and you get the, the return on uh, investment, investment that you're actually looking for. So I would say just really think about what it is that you're doing. Document those risks. I know a lot of people are busy with their day-to-day -day operations that they don't think about documenting those things. But if you went on Google and you look up a risk register and you look at how to actually work a risk register, I would just start documenting those things out of best habit and best practices. Um, and start to think about how to manage your risk because you're going to encounter them. The question is, what are you going to do when you encounter it? So when you're dealing with risk, Alexis, I always feel like the most successful decisions really come down to timing a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's an art form to figure out as a business owner, when should you really invest in a project? And I'm, I'm really curious your feelings on timing of when to invest, when to kind of maybe put something off. Uh, how do you feel about that? So it's never a good time to take on a project, but <laughs> depending on what you're trying to undertake, um, you start as soon as possible. Um, the most important thing that I can stress to people about managing projects is you have to really plan to the best of your ability. And that goes into various types of project management. But what I've seen in my experience, the most success is when you actually take the time to really investigate what it is that you're trying to achieve and to think about every possible scenario. And what I mean by that is usually when you're working with vendors or suppliers, um, they give you a statement of work that tells you what they're going to achieve. Um, but you may not know necessarily how they're going to achieve that what. And so sometimes that takes a lot of planning and you have to really think about it as in, okay, does the timing of this align with my goals? Is this something that I need tomorrow or is this something I can really wait for the solution to be developed and implemented? Um, then I would say as well, that one needs to really understand who all is going to be affected by it. Well, I'm curious because right now we're dealing with such a supply chain issue. And, you know, you're working with a lot of clients right now that, you know, are dealing with this. As a project manager, how do you factor that into, you know, the overall result of the projects? So that's a really good question because um, you're right. People are negatively affected by what's going on right now with supply chain. Um, what I've seen happen is, is that your relationships with people really comes into play um, because the communication is there. 
You know, people are letting you know, hey, I have a lead time of six to eight weeks, you know, but if you don't need this much or you don't need this specific thing, we can possibly work around that by getting you some type of interim solution in place. Um, but relationships are really coming into play because vendors are actually working with their clients to make sure that they're satisfied. I mean, I know that there's not not really a good answer to that because no one ever anticipates on, for that to happen. But in light of the previous conversation with risk, if you're undertaking a new project, that's a risk that you identify. Okay, there is an a, a ongoing issue with supply chain. What do we do if our merchandise is not here by this date? What do we do? Can we afford to have any slack time in our schedule that if you know, the deliverable doesn't come between now and six weeks. Is that is that going to negatively affect my project? If the answer is no, then I would just say to build that time into your schedule and knowing that it's a possible six to eight weeks, you know, lead time before you'll be able to get what you need. Um, but that's definitely a risk that companies are having to manage in ways that they never had to manage before. Um, I would say even before COVID, you know, some people were having some type of supply chain issues because we're talking about the chips. Remember, you know, COVID was going on in China before it was here. So a lot of people that were getting the chips and stuff like that from overseas, they were already experiencing some, some type of delay before we even start to shut down here. So we're going into two years of dealing with um, backlog of items that in, in delivery times. So it's just really about managing that and understanding what your expectations are and communicating that across the board. If it's not something that's going to adversely affect your business, then I would say I will hold off on it until you absolutely have to implement it, but just to be able to plan for it in the meantime. You'd said something uh, a minute ago. It's never a good time to start a project. And that made me laugh. And that's something that I want to talk about. But we do have to take a short break. When we come back, I'd like to touch on that a little bit. We'll be right back. All right, thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, part of the best business net network on Electrocast Media. I'll, I'll say that right one day, Greg. Uh, I keep I keep stumbling on that for some reason. Uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, Alexis, um, you, you'd said something earlier. It's never a good time to start a project, and I chuckled at that because. <laughs> I've felt that for so many, so long. I mean, it's hard because you're you're running your business, you're doing all of these things, all of the day to day stuff, and then you have this new idea that you've got to put out there, and 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 try to get that going. Now, there's a couple of different methods that we've heard about. Now, we we know you're a, a Scrum master, Scrum certified, or um, but there's also this kind of waterfall thing. Um, I feel like a lot of people, uh, when they're managing a project, they they more look at it like the waterfall approach, right? Like that's, that's sort of just like, okay, there's this big, huge mountain that I've got to move. I'm going to move the mountain. Whereas like scrum, it's more like, uh, maybe it's like one bite at a time on, you know, on the elephant type of thing. Right. Um, can you tell us a little about the, the differences of, of scrum versus waterfall or some of these other methods of project management and, and why scrum might be a, a good choice for someone? Absolutely. So the difference between waterfall and, and agile, scrum, which is a form of agile, mm -hmm. would be how fast are you trying to deliver value? The difference is if you have time, like waterfall, you typically have like 
a, a length of time that you have to get a project from start to finish. In Agile and Scrum, we just got to move fast, quick, and get something out. And then we'll work on improving that one item over time. So you might put something into production that has a lot of bugs that may not be fully functional the way that you wanted it to be. But you just need to get the value out. So I have an app example. I have an app. I need to get this app out to my customers so that they're will able to do whatever they need to do through this app. We push it out. We develop it within two to three weeks. We push it out. We find out there's a defect. Okay, but the app is not inoperable. It works. It just has a bug like the name box doesn't pop up or something silly like that, Mm -hmm. right? Then you'll go back and you'll improve that. You'll enhance it. And then you might push it back out into production and then you find something else. So Agile and Scrum gives your 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 end user some type of value now, whereas Waterfall will take a period of time. A Waterfall project can be as much, as many as four weeks. You know, there are dependencies. There are successors and predecessors. Right. So, for example, building a house, you cannot use Scrum or Agile. You just, just can't do it. You know, you, can't, you have to build the <laughs> right. frame. Then, you know, you have to, you know, put the walls up and then you have to wait for this to dry. And then you can do other things. So that's more of an example of what a Waterfall project is. But Scrum and Agile are more prevalent in when you're talking about software development. And so that's the better approach. And even, even swap, excuse me, software actually has their own software development lifecycle. But what I'm finding is most clients that are having software implementations are doing a form of Agile, which gives you flexibility or Scrum. You know, it's, I'm not in the, uh, the tech space anymore. I used to be. And, you know, the, the whole, when I was doing it, we didn't even have the term agile and scrum, right? Now, now that term's come in. And, you know, it's funny, Russ, you said earlier, it's like, it's never a good time to start a project. For me, it's just the opposite. I want to start all these projects <laughs> every day. I'm like, I got so many different ideas. I want to do all these different things. I have a vision. And ultimately, it comes down to like scheduling out, right? Because I got to mm-hmm. figure out what I'm going to do. And that's why Scrum works well for me and being agile, you know, that, that uh, methodology works well for me because I can just work on different sprints and I know, okay, over the next two weeks, four weeks, I'm going to hit this goal. And then on this project over the next two to four weeks, I'm going to hit this goal. And I can, it helps me maintain multiple projects at one time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got really excited when we were going to interview you, Alexis, because you're a Scrum master. It, there's an art form to doing multiple projects and hitting these different sprint and hitting these different goals to move all the projects at the same time. Well, it comes with maturity and um, a lot of organizations to your point have always said that they're more agile and there's no art to that at all. It's just a free for all. We're just doing something, throwing at the wall and see what sticks and we'll catch whatever falls and try it again in two or three weeks. So um, it takes a lot of structure in an unstructured space, right? Because Agile is very much so, I'm trusting my team. I'm empowering my team. What impediments do you have? What challenges are you facing? And how can I help you move the project forward? It's a different methodology as opposed to traditional project management, where there is no iteration period, which is that I'm going to accomplish this within these three weeks, and then I'm going to do this within these three weeks, and I'm going to do this within these three weeks, right? Right or four weeks, whatever. Um, But 
In traditional project management, which is that waterfall, the question then becomes, okay, well, who's not performing? I'm the project manager. I'm in charge. What's going on with you? Like, how do I get you to deliver your deliverables so that we can stay on schedule and stay on task? So it's a total different methodology. You're right. You can manage many projects within an agile scrum environment because you have a board that you're looking at and you're saying, okay, these are the things that I need to do. These are the things that are in progress. These are the things that are finished. How can I work on multiple things? And what tasks am I going to work on today that's going to lead me to my end goal within that delivery point? Um, But it takes maturity. You know, like a lot of organizations are just free for all. And they're not really in a structured space to where it's like, okay, this is the team. This is what we have. Okay, how do you prioritize all your work within this one space? to get it done within its delivery date. And so it comes with a lot of challenges that organizations face, but over time, they do have the opportunity to improve by making sure that they revisit and take advantage of those retrospective meetings. <laughs> um, because you want to be able to find out what is going well, what is not going well, and how do you improve for the next go round. And I mean, you do that with both, your waterfall as well as your agile and scrum, you take advantage of that, but you want to make sure that you're actually implementing the lessons learned from your run to make sure that you can improve and don't repeat those same missteps in the future. I always like to put myself in the position of the, the, the listener, right? Somebody that's listening to the podcast and it's like, now, like, are they afraid right now? Because <laughs> it's like, wait, I, I, have, I have to be oh, scrum oh, no. certified. Uh, what do I have to do? How, do? how does somebody actually like with Without going through the certification process or like just kind of get started in, in, in project management just as a business owner or is that a project in itself like learning how to manage these projects? It is a project within itself, but it's something that we all do every day. Um, one thing that I do like about being in an agile space is most people utilize a Kanban board, which is nothing more than a board <laughs> that you can write down, mm-hmm. you know, things to do things that are in progress, you know, what did I complete? And you move the task across the board and you can do that in your kitchen with sticky notes and magnets and Mm -hmm. markers, you Mm -hmm. know, things to do today, go to the dry cleaners, go to the grocery store. Did I do that? Check. I did. I've completed that. So those are just basic ways that you could start getting in the cadence of managing projects and being able to understand, okay, how can I manage the things that I want to do? If I'm a, if I'm an entrepreneur and I don't really know much about this, how do I create a roadmap of the things that I would like to accomplish and when would I like to accomplish it? So a simple step would be, okay, something as simple as getting high speed internet. You know, right now, 2022 is coming up. Write out all the things that you want to do for 2022 and break it up on a quarterly view. Is this something I can target in first quarter? Is this something I have to wait to third quarter? You know, only you know your business as as best as you can, right? But based on that, you can put down and create what they call a backlog. And you can say, these are all the things that I need to do in 2022. And then as things come up, you can say, okay, you know what? I can actually do this in first quarter. So let me plan to do this in first quarter. And you break down that first quarter by January, February, March. So when in first quarter am I targeting it? That's how you start to build your roadmap. And you can start to see, okay, I didn't hit this in January like I thought. So this is moving to February. So therefore, if this is a dependency for another upcoming task, 
I need to move that out from March to April because I know that it's only going to take me, you know, six weeks to get this done. Those are simple steps mm -hmm. that you can start to take advantage of mm -hmm. to get organized and to plan. And that way um, you can go ahead and start to say, OK, you know what? I've accomplished this. Check that off. These are the things that I need to do. And once you start to get in the cadence, you'll be yeah. well able to identify those those items and be able to move more sufficiently. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think everything you start, it sounds a little daunting, kind of like we talked about earlier. Right. And the thing is, if if you've ever moved, if you've uh, well, when you when when you started your business, um, you know, planning for your taxes <laughs> and really each time you serve your customers is a project like here, just in this podcast, right? Greg and I have a little Kanban board that we move the podcasts, you know, from uh, looking for guests or from ideas to, you know, all the way down to, you know, production and editing. And then it's launched. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's something that you don't realize that you're already doing and that you could be great at. Um, it, it, but you know, it, it can be a little daunting to, to hear, Oh, well, how should I manage projects? How do I pick? How do I do that? So how, how does somebody pick which, what's the best way to go here? It's, you know, Scrum versus Lean versus the, you know, using just a Kanban board or waterfall or whatever. How, how does one pick what the best, me best method would be for a particular project? So it depends on what your deliverables are. If you're in a manufacturing space, you definitely want to do lean because that deals with your quality assurance. And make no mistake, all projects come with a form of quality assurance. But when you're talking about lean, you want to reduce as many defects and bugs as possible before you put it in, in the hands of your customer. Um, if you're talking about software, you absolutely want to do agility because you don't want to have to or scrum. Um, you want to make sure that you have... Um, value in your customer's hands. You know, if it's a high demand product, you don't want to have them going without for so long. You want to just get something to them. If you're talking about building something, like the example of the house, you definitely want to do waterfall and make sure that you understand your schedule. But it just basically depends on what your business is and what the, the value that they're getting. So is it a product, a, a service, is it a result that you're trying to achieve? Those things all determine what types of projects you have in place and what it starts to feed your um, mind of what type of methodology you should want to use. But the easiest way that I will manage a project as an entrepreneur would be utilizing your Kanban board and starting to deal with the agility because it is the less a complicated version of it because you can always make continuous improvement. And that's the goal of agility and scrum is that you always have continuous improvement sprint over sprint, as opposed to I have to finish this project in the next eight weeks. Then I can revisit what went well, what didn't go so well. And then when I start the new project for the next eight weeks, I can take those lessons learned and apply it to this next project. You get more return and value um, month over month if you're doing like a two to two to four week sprint. I really like how you just broke that down and, you know, whether it's manufacturing or it's tech or it's, it's a building, like building a house, how you broke down the different methodology and what would work better for each. After the break, I actually want to get into scope, the scope of a project and how do things change depending on if it's a small scope, large scope within those, you know, manufacturing tech building, does that change things? So let's go to a quick break. And when we get back, I'd love to talk about the scope of a project. Hey, 
And we're back with DIY for Business with Russ and Greg. We are interviewing Alexis today on project management. And before the break, we talked a little bit about the scope of a project. And that will obviously change your strategies on how you're managing the project. So I'm curious, Alexis, how do you go about identifying what direction you take a project depending on the scope of it? Well, that's a wonderful question, and it's a loaded question because scope is imperative. Scope tells you what you're trying to achieve, and you need to understand how that ties into every other facet of your project. Your scope is going to tell you roughly an estimate for time based on the deliverables. It's going to tell you your cost. It's going to explain to you the assumptions and the constraints. What I mean by assumptions and constraints is your assumptions may come from your vendor. So if you're undertaking a project where a vendor is giving you some type of deliverable, right? They may say this deliverable is based on you providing high speed Internet and having access to the building 24 hours a day. That's a that's a huge assumption, because if you don't have the Internet, then that's going to prolong the schedule because now they can't come in and do what they need to do. If they don't have access to the building, that now imposes a delay on your schedule, which means you have to reschedule all of their they have to reschedule all their resources, which may in return turn into a change order because now they have to pay money and fees for having people come out and be available when they're not, etc. Your constraints will tell you what are the areas that are going to adversely affect your project if they're not done. So it kind of sounds like your constraints can be something as similar as to an assumption. However, your constraints could be something as simple as Christmas holiday is coming up. The business closed down for a week, so we won't be able to perform business. That's a constraint because if you have a deadline of having this solution operable by December 31st and you're closed for a whole week, that's a week of work and productivity that you're losing. So, But that should be defined in your scope. Um, And that should be talked about before you undertake a project. Um, It also is going to tell you what type of resources that you need to have available. So if we're talking about developing some type of software or coming in, uh, one of my favorite roles, I was dealing with a lot of construction projects. And so when we're talking about the, the scope. We will call out. We need a solution engineer. We need a, a senior architect. We need, you know, the tech team, et cetera, because all of these people are coming together to aggregate that end result or that deliverable. And so your scope is very important to your project because based on what you guys are trying to achieve, will in return tell you what type of methodology that you should probably assume and what your approach should be for managing that project. So if I got, going back to my house example, if I got a scope of work that said that we're going to come out to build a garage with a bedroom and we're going to add it onto your house, that's going to tell me a lot of information because they're going to say, we're going to come and bring out, you know, I don't know, A 10 by 10, you know, wood and all this other stuff like that, whatever it takes to build a house. That's going to give me a lot of information to say, okay, number one, this is not going to be an agile project because they have to put the pour to concrete, the concrete cast to dry. Once the concrete dries, then they can do, you know, build the frame or, you know, something like that. Or they have to put down piping first. So it tells me that I have a lot of dependencies that are going to prevent us from being able to move forward. Therefore, my approach should be more of a waterfall approach. I need to have a schedule. I need to know what the timeframes are, what the constraints. Going back into your question earlier 
about supply chain. So is there a back order on wood? If so, I need to add, find out what that lead time is and build that into my schedule so that I don't have contractors coming out and I don't even have the wood available or paint. You know, the paint that I want is a custom paint and they have to order and it's going to take eight months to get that paint. Well, then I know I can't start unless I want to have a house that doesn't have paint up and everybody just wants to look at drywalls. So, you know, so th those are different types of examples that you can look at the scope and say, OK, this is going to determine what I need to do, when I need to do it and how I need to do it. What also needs to happen is if there are multiple stakeholders, if there are multiple groups that are going to be adversely affected, there needs to be a representative of Present for each role that is going to be adversely affected to be a part of that conversation so that you can understand what that impact is going to be across the board. A lot of times, the number one mistake that businesses make is that they don't have the right stakeholders a part of that planning process when we're talking about scope. So in the beginning, the original example I gave was you have a vendor giving you a scope, but what if you don't have that? What if you're coming up with the scope together? You know that you have an immediate need that needs resolution. You may need to work with your team to come up with the scope of what needs to happen. And then you need to go out and do a request for a proposal or request for information. And then there's a bidding process. And then based on that, you work with that with those vendors and they give you a scope in return. So there are so many ways that you can go with understanding what scope is. But the most important thing that I can tell anybody is once you have that defined, one needs to know that inside and out in order for them to be able to successfully launch a project. Because if you don't know what that scope entails, people can just do anything and you have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's bad project managing right, right. there. <laughs> it is. It is, but you'll be amazed to see how many people don't refer back. That scope is a contract. Right. That tells you what the agreed upon deliverables are. Again, it could be a product, it could be a result, it could be a service. So I'm paying you to come and do my lawn. That's a service. What did we agree on before you started to support my yard? Did I agree that you're going to clean up the leaves? And did I agree that you're going to cut the bushes and do all this stuff and trim the sidewalk? Because if I did and you come to my house and you don't trim the bushes and you get the leaves up and stuff like that, I can actually dispute paying you. Because now we're at a breach of contract, right. we're at an impasse. But you have to be able to know what is inside that scope to hold people accountable. You will be amazed to see how many people don't know that. And people just give you something. It's like, that's not what we agreed upon. And you have to be firm in, in managing that and managing that scope to ensure that you're getting exactly what it is that you anticipated on paying for. Right. Well, I feel like documentation is just... I mean, I, I, I'm debating actually. Okay. I, I don't think I could say that. I was going to say documentation is the most important thing, but communication might be the most important thing. <laughs> one, of, one of those two, I'm not sure. But it's like, I think documenting the various steps, documenting the scope, knowing exactly what you're going to do. You can't, you can't do something before you, you, you know what you're going to do. Right. So you got to have that. You, and, but I think communication is also just super key throughout the process, like just being with your team. And, and, um, one thing that I, that I love that has kind of been, you know, born over the last, I don't know, maybe this is the last 20 years or so is the stand-up meeting to talk about projects. I just, I think that's awesome. You, you learn about blockers, you learn about like, well, you know, what is preventing the project from moving forward? I love that. And I think even with a small team, that's probably a good thing to do. Do you agree? 
Absolutely. Um, and to answer your question about um, documentation and communication, they all are, are your documentation is your artifacts of mm-hmm. what, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. You need to know that in order to have a stand-up meeting. <laughs> so you, you have to know <laughs> that's true. That's true. What is going on mm-hmm. here? <laughs> Expectation. Um, otherwise, we'll be standing around, uh, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> we definitely need to add that. But you're right. Communication is 90% of your time in a project space because you have to communicate. And what I always tell people is once you communicate the need always document what was communicated mm, because mm. it's always somebody that's half listening that's going to say what we never agreed to that i didn't say that oh yes you did <laughs> you know oh, yeah. <laughs> yes you did it was in this stand up on monday so uh-huh. um the, the stand-up meetings are very important because that gives the, the team an opportunity and they shouldn't be elongated they should be 15 minutes or 15 minutes or less um, and you just say, Hey, you know what? This is what I accomplished yesterday. This is what I plan on accomplishing today. Or I was unsuccessful yesterday because this was a blocker or a hindrance that occurred. And it's something that I can't work around, or I'm still working on the issue and getting it resolved. And until I am able, I am able to do that, I cannot move forward. Again, that all impacts your schedule and timeline for delivery, especially when you're talking about these quick turnaround sprints, two to four weeks or two to six weeks or whatever, you know, the business decides to do. When you're talking about that short turnaround period, those blockers and hindrances are critical Mm -hmm. because if you only have a three week turnaround time and you're spending five days on a blocker, you've lost a week of productivity. That's critical, but it's easier for the team to respond and adjust with agility because we are all aware of that issue. Mm -hmm. Now I have visibility to that issue. It's transparent. What are we doing as a team to help you move forward? It's not just the responsibility of the scrum master, right? Even though some will argue that it is to help mitigate that. But if you have a representative from different teams And they may have a relationship with someone else that they can go and like gently nudge them to move forward or rearrange and prioritize some work for them. Now everybody has visibility and someone else can help get move the ball forward too. So daily standups are very important. Um, I enjoy listening to them, um, especially when you get in this technical space, because you can hear like what all is being performed, um, especially if there are critical issues that may need to be addressed. So Lexus, you're a project management consultant. And you work with a lot of different companies. I have a couple questions for you. When does somebody bring you in and when do they realize that they need a consultant? And then once you're in, what is your role as a consultant versus an employee that's project managing? That is a great question. Typically, people seek consultants when they're in crisis management. Um, the project is going off the rails. Um, They're not really having control over it. Um, When we talked earlier about maturity and agility, you know, like they're implementing some solution, but they don't have it just quite right, but they can't afford to stop production. So they're bringing in a consultant to come on board. Um, The difference is, is that a consultant typically is not the performer of work. They just make recommendations, best practices. They may even come up with solutions to help you be able to move forward but they're not necessarily a performer of that work. They're telling you what needs to do, what needs to happen to guide you on how to get the right people in the right place. I may even perform a little bit of work to get you in the right direction, but then I turn it over to you so that you can sustain that operation or that business practice once I'm disengaged from the project. 
as a project manager and an employee, it's a little bit different because I'm actually managing the project for you. So I'm supposed to take my my skills and expertise to help apply the knowledge using the tools and the resources that we have to manage that project and to keep the project moving forward. One thing that I've enjoyed is that being a consultant, I can work on anything at any point in time. Like you can do anything. Um, projects vary. You know, if I wanted to go and help out with construction, I can do that. If I wanted to go help out with a fashion line, I can do that. If I wanted to go help with um, a catering event, I can, you know, whatever it is. Like there's so many different things that you can do. But typically when you're an employee as a project manager, that business has a specific thing that they're used to doing. And that's what you do. But as a consultant, I have more flexibility in cherry picking, if you will, what it is I want to do and what it is I don't want to do. And how can I be of assistance to you as a business? So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, Alexis, and hire you as a project management consultant, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I would say go to my website, AlexisNicoleWhite.com, and go ahead and send over an inquiry and we can have set up a conversation um, and do like a pre-consulting just to make sure that it's the right fit. Or if it's something that you're telling me that I know that you can do on your own, let me empower you by redirecting you to the right place. Or I might tell you, you know, what it sounds like to me is you need this. Why don't you reach out to here or you can do this on your own? Um, one thing I would like to tell people is don't get intimidated. It's not compound complex. It's not rocket science. You're probably already <laughs> doing it anyway and just don't even know that you're doing it. Empower yourself, you know, especially as business owners. I know that a lot of times we want to conserve money. So empower yourself. There's plenty of project management books, um, audio books and videos on YouTube. Google is a wonderful university of information out there. Tap into the overflow of information. Stay up to breast of what's going on in project management and learn what other people are doing well and not doing so well and what you can do differently. By using that approach, Again, you empower yourself to be able to be in control of what's going on in your business, as opposed to always like, oh, my God, I'm in a crisis. I need somebody to help me. <laughs> what do I need to do? You know, because then you'll always be paying somebody yeah. to do something that you can start to do yourself. And I know that a lot of times when it comes to business owners, you know, they know what they know very well. They don't know other things. So if you know that you don't know how to manage projects, you're like, this is going over my head. I don't know what this lady is talking about. <laughs> then you probably need to hire somebody. <laughs> and, and don't be afraid to hire them. You know, like, don't be afraid to say, again, this is a risk. I can't really afford to hire somebody, but failures to do so will result in my business collapsing and imploding. And there goes my dreams. Mm -hmm. So let me exploit the opportunity to hire somebody to come on board, to be able to do what it takes in order to get us to sustain and be successful as a business and move from being an entrepreneur who is doing everything to an actual business owner who has a team of people who are supporting their dreams and ambitions. Oh, I love that. Give me chills. <laughs> hey, and you know, I will say there is a fantastic course uh, and, you know, they're not they're not paying us, but over at uh, Coursera, uh, Google put together a project management course. And I just took that recently just kind of as a little refresher on various terms, things like that. And I, you know, it's like, I took it, I felt like I knew everything. And then I was like, oh shoot, I, I just learned something new. <laughs> it's just fantastic. So it's a great course. And there's plenty of courses out there like that to, to learn a little bit more about project management. And of course, there's a fantastic person that you can hire that we just talked to. Uh, if you wanna have them come in, help you out, Alexis is available for that as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alexis. 
Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. It was great talking to you, Alexis. Thanks a lot. And thank you for listening and subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network on Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on this podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based, and you may want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed. And we're happy to take your questions. So reach out to us. You can go to our website or you can reach out to us via social media on Twitter. We thank you for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not alone. Welcome to Entrepreneurs Exposed, where we dive into the stories of visionary entrepreneurs revolutionizing the workforce. Our ongoing mission is to showcase founders and creators doing amazing things in business and beyond. If you're a founder, CEO, tech enthusiast, or someone generally interested in startup land, join me, Adam LaVinter, as I dive into what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Electric Hey, I'm Ashley D, a media entrepreneur, mother of three, and a woman of God. Through my podcast, Spiritually Restored, I discuss various topics about life, love, purpose, and healing, while bringing messages through the Word of God, prophetic dreams, and testimonies from myself and my guest hosts. Catch a new faith-filled message every Wednesday on the Voices of Faith podcast network through Electrocast. See you there. Electrocast.